as its ability to be online most often uh, and, and not failure. So to me, it's, uh, it's got an association with reliability and resilience. Hello, good afternoon and good evening, wherever you are around the world, and welcome to the Uptime Punks, um, former Verfügbarkeitspapster. Um, should we say hello, bonjour? What else? Hello, bonjour, buongiorno, buenos dias, um, and whatever. It's so strange to talk in English to you, Paul. Guten Abend. Guten, Guten Abend. It's so yeah. strange to talk in English, but this is our first um, Anglophone podcast. And um, what's the reason behind it? Uh, maybe you can let everybody know what was the decision behind us doing this. The decision behind us was because there are just too many great stories all over the world to just restrict it to Germany and make it in German. And also, we have had a very great guest today and um, he can't speak German. So that that's that's two main reasons. There are many more, but mainly also because we thought data centers connect the world. Data centers are about sharing information. And um, as most of the German people speak English, we, we just thought, yeah, let's, let's try this. And so now we're the uptime punks. We've changed the name a bit for the German speakers. We've still released German speaking episodes. We will still be the Verfügbarkeitspäpste, the popes of uptime, if you if you want. Um, and it will be all the same channel, but much I mean, more. We're, right now. we're on yeah. Apple Music, Google Podcast, Spotify, and, and yeah. Podcast. I took from a very, very good friend of mine the slogan, which is. Uptime punks, the oxygen to the digital world we all live in, the one and only podcast express in our era of digital transformation. I think this pretty much sums it up because with a lot of our German listeners who said, well, we want to hear more about what's going on in the world. So next week we're going to be in Asia, which is something different as well. Yeah. So we start uh, collaborating with a lot of our partners around the globe and we hope that everybody's going to enjoy it. Today's podcast is very special to us because this is somebody that works with us on the event side since almost 10 years um he is kind of uh i wouldn't say godfather figure Should, can we say godfather figure yeah we can say that. he's either a father figure or the godfather um, But, i wouldn't say uh, he's very well known and um i mean mike um Mike is the guy who started the sixth generation data center, uh, which is basically a physical showcase of data centers um, at events. He was the one who started this one. And we're speaking a little bit about um, the UK data center market, global data center markets, trends, um, COVID restrictions, COVID challenges. And yeah, um, you guys just all listen to it. And if you have some feedback for us, please let us know. And um, Yeah, we hope you enjoy it, and I hope you enjoy the new jingle. Funky. So I would like to welcome everybody today to our first English-speaking podcast, which is, well, we started in Germany, and now we're trying to take over the world. No, bad joke, but um, yeah, we're very happy here to uh, welcome Mike Goodwin with us from Dunwoody. Um, first, I would like to say welcome, Mike. Welcome, thank you. Um, I, I would say you're one of the, the, the few people that everybody knows in the data center industry throughout Europe. Um, reason behind it might be that you're involved everywhere, that you visit all the shows, and that everybody sees you sort of like, uh, I wouldn't say father figure, but almost to that extent at a, as this mystic person that is out there in the data center industry that just knows everybody. Um, so for everybody to get to know you, so Mike, um, what does Dunwoody do? Um, we're a design consultancy. Uh, we help our clients deliver and exceed what they wish in what they need to do. So make that simpler. They are looking for a building, an environment, a facility, and it needs to perform as well as it can to make it work for them. So we design things, we do investigations, we do research, and we do studies. 
So whatever they need, we, we can provide. All right. Okay. So of course, the most important question for all listeners is um, because this all started out as a sort of like a pop sit down podcast in Germany. Um, what's your favorite beer? Beer. Oh, it's got to be Stella. Stella. So, so you don't like the German Bavarian beer then? Yeah. <laughs> Thomas is not going to be happy about that one. But uh, yeah, because for a lot of people don't know about this one, because we started with German speaking poker, so we already have a sponsor basically for beer, um, which came through Austria, through the guys from D-Kicks, um, which run the internet point, uh, connecting point. But yeah, um, another question is um what was your first phone and your first experience with a computer oh well i'm i go back away so my first mobile phone was a car battery and a wire and a handset it wasn't so much mobile but it was it was a phone um my first computer would be a 286 so we are we are going back a few years it, it was a an interesting box i think i think it's got less data and capacity on it than a modern um watch Oh, wow. Okay, so this goes really, like, back, way really back. back. Yeah. Um, so the most interesting question will be as well, what really got you into the industry? What was your first data center you walked into, and what was your first point of contact? I mean, you surely didn't start, went to university, and said, well, I'm going to become a guy who's going to design data centers of the future. No, I, when I started uh, at uh, the college's university, the first topic I picked was data centers. And I visited an IBM data center in 1970 in uh, Newcastle. And it, it struck me about how different it was to everything else. But it was also, of its time, quite progressive. But you had things like card readers and <clears throat> you were even before tapes. And it just seemed clumpy and big and monstrous, like so many of the early sci-fi movies. And I've always been wanting to work in that market because it's very engineering-led. It's got lots and lots of services in it. it. It relies on the engineers leading it. It's not so much about space adjacencies as function and performance. And it just suited my mindset of becoming a better engineer. So then what is your favorite science fiction movie? Oh, I suppose The Matrix. and I'm still trying to get my head around it. Is it because of the number coding or...? No, it's because it's the, the, the fact that there are two parallel spaces going on in one point in time. And mathematically, that takes a bit of working out. But isn't that the same environment we live in at the moment with COVID? Possibly. Yes, we are, we, are, we are still doing things, yet we're not there to do them. Yes, I can see that. Um, one of our questions we ask everybody is what would you say is for you how would you define uptime what is uptime for you as a definition it's interpreted in the data center market as its ability to be online most often uh, and, and not failure so to me it's uh, it's got an association with reliability and resilience so uptime to me is it's always online okay and of course um, everybody somehow during lockdown got a gadget. So what is your gadget that you got yourself during lockdown? Uh, well, I, I, I relied on my tablet. The gadget I got was, was I made better use of my tablet and I learned how to use more of its features and uh, apps. And without it, I'd have been completely lost, completely lost. You, you, you'd have lost communication as well as a view to the outside world. It was, it was essential to me. That was my gadget. The other gadget I suppose is my is my um, golf trolley, my electric golf trolley. So I should be using that a bit more. And of course, now it's twenty fourth of September, and the UK finally has a tracing app. Have you downloaded it already, or are you no, going to? I, I shall. It's one of my things to do. But yes, we finally got one that um, that the rest of the world's been using for a while, apparently. But yeah, we. Well, I shall be downloading it. Yes. All right. Okay. So um, I, I think let's get let's get going over a little bit to the data center market itself. Um, did, did you see in the last couple of months what would you think were the main challenges, especially for data center professionals in the UK market, European market? Um, I know that you work across with a lot of companies across the globe. I guess. 
more European than globe, but yes. Um, I think the realization that data and communications is a utility and not a nice to have has really come home to most people. The that from from just keeping in touch has been vital to doing commerce online. That that no one's going to go back to shopping in the way they used to. It's moved on. Life has changed. Communication through meetings has changed the way we'll travel and work in the future, and it, it won't reverse. So people have recognised that data centres are now a commodity. Uh, sorry, not a commodity, a utility. And as a utility, it moves away from being a nice-to-have to, to must-have. Um, the demand during COVID was increased. Everyone was seeking more and more available. Uh, some of our clients put more halls online. We've been under pressure to complete some halls. Uh, and I think... It will now move it to a point where it becomes a much more accepted norm. And now the discussion on data centers, I think, will be about its cost and its performance rather than whether you want one or not or whether we should use one. I think the other outset of this will be that the owner operators will probably look more to the co-provider service as opposed to trying to do it in-house. Okay, so um, it comes back to the edge data centers then, you think, which means more in-house, right? Well, um, I think edge, I think edge is still going to go ahead because it's trying to serve a need that, that's related to the location. I think the data centers we're seeing have got a greater component of um, storage and general capacity. Edge, edge will accelerate because they'll be more wanted and they'll be more local, but they can still be provided by a third party and not by the, the, the main core. So I see the, the, the big four still seeking out other people to provide the service. So this means you're seeing a boom in the data center market? Yeah, I mean, AWS are out there looking for more sites. Microsoft will be looking for more sites. Google will be looking for more sites because there'll be more to do and more demand. Mike, uh, thanks for sharing your insight uh, on the UK market here. Um, as you know, uh, we're a training provider in the um, German-speaking market. And what we experienced here in the, uh, due to the Corona uh, crisis before, you know, we met uh, on one of the last shows, uh, Data Center World was great in London, before pretty much uh, everything freezed down and uh, came to a standstill or even moved backwards. Uh, there was a trend that everyone was outsourcing, going to the, the big four, uh, going to the co-location providers. But um, as I am constant contact to uh, a lot of the fortune companies here, um, I saw a little bit a shift of the trend. This was due to the fact that um, the companies who pretty much outsourced everything and didn't have their own core data center on premises they had huge problems to contact, uh, for example, a co-location provider in order to just uh, open up some, uh, some ports to enable their people to work from home. So um, they basically came to the conclusion, um, and I just talked to the, one of them um, last week, that uh, they for sure will not uh, outsource uh, their core datas and uh, will build a data center on the premises. You heard about uh, that kind of project as well in the UK market or that kind of experience, let's put it that way. Um, yeah, I, I imagine that some will will try to de-risk their business by, by taking back control. Their challenge will be to keep up with the standards, the performance and the resilience that commercial organizations can offer. The other challenge you see in the market is speed of speed to actually get halls online. And if you're starting to do it yourself and you're not a construction company or you're not a colo provider, you've got quite an infrastructure to deliver a hall within a year or six months. So the people that have the, the quickest route to market to, to, to have something already in line are the third party professionals that are doing it. Some will, as you say, Thomas, seek to maintain resilience in-house and therefore keep 
uh, control. But if they fail to communicate with a supplier, that, that's, a, that, that's a poor service they're being offered, not necessarily a poor solution. I agree, but uh, you know, um, no one has figured the the basically the outrage of uh, the corona corona crisis. Uh, everyone thought, yeah, that's the thing that will go over. Everyone in uh, was affected. Um, but um, I heard about uh, there's some shift. But what I think it want to be interesting if we talk about uh, what are basically the effects um, to on premises versus outsourcing or cloud service, however you call that. Um, in one year from now, uh, if this was just a few companies, or we can see even a trend that uh, that's going back to on-premises. I'm going to be curious, and as we uh, do that on a regular basis, we definitely, guys, will keep you um, up to speed here. What's going on? Yeah, I'd, I'd be very interested because everyone, as you say, no one knows the final end of this uh, pandemic and people will continue to seek their, their solutions. And I'll be interested to see how the market moves in response to it. But if they seek things quickly, then that's the challenge. How do we do things quickly? I've got another one for you, Mike. Uh, what's uh, As you know, I'm working in the education business and we're training people in the data center field. And uh, of course, we have the challenge now uh, to, to, to do in face-to-face and uh, through the lockdown, we are all experienced UK, uh, all over the world, basically. Um, people um, are afraid to travel. Uh, we are doing some of the trainings online, but uh, we experience a big, big demand. Before already, you know, the last couple of years, uh, we did fairly well because there, there was uh, a lack of talent in the industry and they're not really a lot of good training point, uh, training programs or programs out there. Um, are you experiencing uh, something like the same in the UK market? And uh, maybe are there some uh, in initiatives uh, that are running there in order to fix that problem? Yeah, um, let's take that in a couple of weeks. Yes, we are experiencing the same. There are not enough good people familiar with data centers and their operation. To, to, to man and resource and service the market. Um, I think too long the training's been in-house with how some particular organization does it rather than uh, as a standard to, to actually get good practice carried across all. The introduction of standardization improves everything. I think it shows a, a common understanding and knowledge. And I think introducing that development of uh, staff within the awards program that we're doing through Data Center World is a very important uh, place to showcase this and flag it so that people recognize that we can't keep going forward without bringing people with us and trained staff with us. So the Data Center Award flags up particularly one of staff development. I think it's been un uh, undervalued maybe in the UK for too long. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very good point. Um, as I'm here uh, on that podcast, right from a training out of uh, our headquarters in Germany, um, basically, uh, we are doing trainings in the data center field, but as well in the building information. And there's a new standard out there. And um, we have the standard in the data center field, the EN5600, um, from the European side. It's an ISO standard as well but what i think uh, from my perspective and that's what i learned on the training um as well um as we are conducting it in this structure for the first time what's missing in the un 5600 is something like a section where we say what are the um basically how to qualify people what are the um, what is mandatory the minimum requirements and uh, this is what the building automation standard uh, VDE 3814 has a specific section about 300 pages. What are requirements to the definite positions in the building automation field? And I think that's very interesting. Um, and um, I'm basically the trainer is uh, one of the guys who's writing the standard, so we get first-hand knowledge. And what are your thoughts on that? Uh, do you think that we have to come up with something like that from a standard side that it's going to be even a bigger driver or a bigger support in the market 
um, in order to yeah face this challenge of uh, lack of talent in the industry. Um, there, there needs to be some recognition of competence. That standard of competence has got to be benchmarked or set against some measure, and that a standard get developed to create that measure would be an excellent thing. When you've got a, an understanding of competence, just like we understand what we think is a tier three and a tier four, when you have people coming forward and saying, oh, I have this level of competence, and they can demonstrate it against a standard, then I think we can move forward with, with a, a, an understanding that wherever they work, they're bringing the same quality. Whilst, whilst people change titles in the UK so often, is no reference to a benchmark. You, you need to have either years of experience with a recognised check on that. When, when staff come forward and say, oh, I'm a senior engineer, you only value that when you then understand what he's describing as a senior engineer, what he's done and what he's achieved. If that's standardised in a standard that people get trained at, it is much more valuable and useful. You, you then can do further development knowing where you're starting um i mean a very interesting discussion we had last week with um frank sachman it was uh, something similar to this uh, thomas will remember as well um so do you also see the trend that in the uk that um for the staffing for the data centers that it's moving rather into um, eastern europe that people get recruited from there uh, one of the trends we also see in germany at the moment is that um a lot of uh, migrants from the migration camps, um, which are coming from Syria, from war zones, they have technical background and a lot of uh, data centers seem to be going there because these are people which are really knowledgeable and um, to bring them on board. Is that something you guys see in the UK as well? Um, that move to look outside of the lovely island? Look beyond the border? I mean, Brexit is not happening with that. I, we said we're not going to talk about Brexit, but... I mean, is Brexit helping with that? <laughs> I think I think there is there is a pool of of, of resource engineers all around the world, and uh, the UK and everyone else is going to attract as many as they can uh, to their data centres. Um, I think it's in part about their experiences and what they're familiar with. If you are looking to Eastern Europe, I'm not so sure some of the data centres are. Or as developed or as evolved as some of the ones in London. So you will find individual gems and very bright individuals that will come across. And you will also find a good core of people that can support other activities. But I think we are leading, America's in front, but I think we are leading what we're doing with our engineering skills in data centers because we've had the opportunity of doing so many recently. So we've learned from that. Um, I think the resource has to come from training rather than poaching from elsewhere. I think I think our solution. So in answer to your question, Paul, I don't see lots of, of uh, people in the industry that are coming from afar, but I am seeing lots of special skilled people that are. So I suppose I'm contradicting myself. I'm not seeing a great huge number, but I am seeing some good people joining the data centers that I'm working on. Yeah, so the next question would have been, so in Germany, you have something called like an apprenticeship, right? Um, so yep. this was discussion we had. We're like, okay, so if you're a young lad, graduate from high school, graduate from college, whatever it is, and you want to get into data center business, computers were always your passion. Um, so how do you do it? Um, how do you do it in the UK? I mean, in Germany, you can get them sort of into like sort of a training program. Then you will meet guys like Thomas. Thomas will be the, Thomas is already more at the advanced level because he trains people to manage data centers. But if somebody says, well, I'm a, I don't know, I'm an electrician at the moment, but I would really like to get involved into the data center business uh, because everybody knows that's, that's where the future is. And that's where there's going to be endless supply of work for uh, people that work in all kinds of different craft ships. Yeah, there's, there, there's a large, there are a large number of electrical contracting companies and multi-service contracting companies that do take on apprentices, and those are formal apprenticeships in 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 the engineering as a whole. To become specialist in data centers, 
um, you've got to have spent more time yourself developing it. So an uh, electrical engineer apprentice will will go through a, a large skill set of, of training. But once you start getting into heavy electrical engineering, you talk about 33 kV, 11 kV uh, systems, they're, it will be whether their company is exposed to it. So what you do find is apprentices move from company to company to get the experience they need to end up in the place they wish to be. So there, there's no one company that would do an apprenticeship that, would, that I'm aware of that would do end-to-end -end on everything in a data center. And then in the end, they have to join a data center company to become aware of all. I think one of the big disadvantages in the UK is you could be a mechanically trained person or electrically trained person and you end up on one side of it. You have to learn both sides. Okay, well, that that's that's very interesting. Um, another question: who, who would you say is leading in the data center market at the moment, especially in London? I mean, we know that data centers are well growing like mushrooms um, at the moment. I I'm not sure if Frankfurt is beating London, but um, so what has happened now the last six months in London? Because I know that when I spoke to you yesterday. For example, that we already you were at a site, so um, has been very busy. Yeah? So, who is at the moment yeah. the biggest provider in London? Would you say, or who's oh, aiming nice. to be the biggest one? Oh, you've got me there, Paul. There, uh, I, I, I a question you can't answer. <laughs> I think they're all aiming to get larger, and they're all aiming to get bigger. And, and most people have got a, a program. I think what arises are some very, very large schemes that are coming in with um, American-funded projects to um, actually kick it on even more. I think the I think the horizon is looking at even bigger. So whilst you're looking at data centers of 10, 20, 30 meg, the, the ones that are coming over the hill at 100 meg plus 200 meg are, are going to be game changers. And, and when they start rolling through the UK, uh, and, and in Europe, that they will change the maths. So one big person or two big person. But the big one that seems very, very active at present is, is Amazon. They are very active at present. I mean, everybody during lockdown, I think, used Amazon Prime. So, um, yeah, their service is being used quite a lot at the moment. I, I just saw today in the morning, in um, Facebook is building the biggest one now in uh, Asia, which is 240. And it's the same size as Google, Azure, and Amazon is using combined in Singapore. So this is yeah. just this was the day announced. Um, another question, because um, you do you do the design and build and these kind of things. So what was the one of the most difficult data centers that you ever had to design, and what was the location? Um, most difficult one. Uh, I suspect it was one we did in London a few, uh, actually it was a few years ago, when we had to upgrade a bank's data centre, it's a credit card centre in the centre of London, so we had to build it in centre of London. They had to keep it um, alive and to find space for the increased capacity, because that's what it was about, increased capacity. We had to move existing plant in a plant room uh, around the walls to get more plant in, because we were in the centre of London, it was a fixed thing. To actually keep it alive, to increase its capacity, to not reduce its resilience, and squeezing more plant into an existing plant room, I think was the most challenging. I think that was the most challenging one. Um, have you heard about the, um, the Microsoft project, which is called the Putting the Cloud Under the Sea, yet? Project Natic, have you heard about it? Yeah, the last year there were some there were some press releases on it. It was the use of a. Do you think that's the future to put data centers underwater? Are you, you're looking at a number of variables. You're looking at accessibility. You're looking at process. You're looking at energy consumption and efficiency. You're looking at adjacency, I edge. Um, does it solve some solutions? Possibly. Is it the solution for all? I can't see it. But if you had a number of those as your edge data centers around the Caribbean, maybe that's a solution there. Um, are you going to serve London from 
that that solution in the River Thames? I very much doubt it. Yeah, it's, it always becomes um, comes back down to functionality, I guess. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was also one of the discussions we had in Germany, which was basically um, this goes maybe a little bit deep, but um, you know, like Tesla cars, for example. So a normal car without any of the fancy electronics produces one gigabyte of data. Then um, if a car starts driving by itself, you had 150 gigabytes of data per minute. This multiplies then if you have a thousand cars on the road. So basically you would need a data center on every street corner. Um, do you think the future will be that, well, we had a discussion in Germany, which was, do you think the future will be that you will have edge data centers on the highways? So you will every petrol station will have a little data center where you will pull up with your car, your data gets uploaded, everything goes to the cloud. Do you think this will be the future that we will have it more and more? In, um, so we can also cover remote places? I think age. I think age is is, is coming, uh, and, and and it will find a whole number of reasons and uses. Whether it's driven by the automobile or because we want to do more operations remotely on people in hospitals, uh, more artificial intelligence being applied all over the place, it, 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 it's coming. Uh, I don't think that cars will be the driver for the next ten years for edge. I can't see that people will change their uh, mindset on cars for that. And I think the cars will come with its own embedded um, data center and it needs refreshing. And when it gets refreshed, it needs frequent refreshing. Whether that will drive an edge market, I'm not, I, I can't see, but I could be wrong. Okay, so you already a little bit mentioned um, when it comes to job and development of people, their awards. Um, so maybe let's get a little bit into this. So if I understood correctly, 21, there's going to be some data center awards. Um, what's the story behind it? Um, how, did, how did this idea, well, how did you guys come up with the idea? About 10 years ago, uh, I'd worked with uh, Closer Steel on the data center world exhibition. And at that time, there was a lack of awareness of all the products that came together that represented a best practice data center. So we, about eight years ago, built in the hall an operating live data center. And it actually operated with its UPSs, not the generators, but the chillers and everything. And that was to get people familiar with what is best practice and what best practice looks like. Well, the world and the market's evolved and it's improved and it's become more knowledgeable. So what came about in the last few years is a recognition that you actually want to pick out what is the best feature of a product. And you don't necessarily have, it, have to have it in situ for it to be appreciated and understood. So now it's moved from being a demonstration of a connected and working model to individual components that are being celebrated because they are very good at what they do. And what's come about is we now want to showcase those ideas, innovations and products without the need to build a box around it that, that houses them. And that, that I think is a sense of maturity in the market because people can see something for what it is in isolation. I think it's an appreciation that Certain things are not perhaps understood in, a, in the whole and can be uh, explained better in isolation. And I think it also opens up to other people to come forward. How can you celebrate training in a live environment in London? How can you celebrate innovation if you're seeing one, one product but not the journey that it went on to become the best product and, and the reason it's innovative? So we've matured the, the exhibit. It's now going to become an awards arena. And the awards arena will celebrate the best, the best applicants and the best submissions. And I think it, it becomes a, the next stage. I think it's a better next stage. Um, so from my understanding, you guys have already over 100 companies that applied. Um, yeah. My question would have been for everybody out there. I mean, this podcast is listened to by our subscribers in Germany, subscribers in UK, all over Europe, even all the way to Asia. Next next week, we're going to be in Asia with our Asian colleagues. Um, if you're a company, 
Or let me ask you this way. What kind of a company would you like to see that applies for something like this? Like what kind of innovation should they bring with them? What kind of, um, what kind of ethics should they have? Uh, what kind of products should they have developed? What are the different categories? Like who's the winner you're looking for? Who, who's, who, I mean, is it going to be the, there needs to be something, right? So what is the edge, edge for you where you're like, well, that's these guys, they've done it all right. Well, what, what, what I'm hoping we're going to see is may, maybe have a eureka moment or two. We have we have a time where when cat's eyes were invented by a man who drove up a road and thought, I can see the white lines. He didn't have the biggest, the most expensive uh, infrastructure or factory, but he had an idea that changed the way we do something. I would love to see someone come along with, a concept of resilience and robustness that, that, that approaches M plus one with a new way of looking at it or a new a new solution, that there is a, a new mathematical solution or a new product solution. I would love to see someone come along with an idea that, that means we, we, we make more efficient a pipe surface that means that we reduce our pump energy. I would like to see people come along with new bits of software that, that means the, the opportunities to save energy are increased because we now can do it more efficiently or effectively. I want, I want the, small pe the small ideas to shine and not the ones necessarily with the biggest budget and the biggest shiny box. They will, have, they will have an opportunity to show and shine as well, but it'd be nice if we can actually move the, the whole idea of a best data center forward and not just by trying to make something that we've got 2% more efficient. We need that. But if someone can come along with something different, that'd be very exciting. I have a question uh, on that, uh, Tim here. Question on that would be, uh, who is the who are these awards open to? Is it UK only? Is it Europe-wide? And if yes, um, if, if it was Europe-wide, um, do you think this uh, inspiration from outside um, is really needed uh, in the in the UK market? Because I, from my part, see that um, ideas, especially data center design, is very crucial to drive ideas forward and sustainability. Um, you mentioned energy efficiency, but I, I personally believe there is a need and also a call of the industry to go beyond just energy efficiency and make them more sustainable. Um, for example, I've just read in the news that uh, somewhere in Sweden, they now use heat waste to dry uh, wood pellets for, after, yeah. for, for heating stuff. Is that the kind of stuff you're looking for? And um, yeah, is, is, is it Europe-wide or just UK only? Well, it's open to everyone. It, 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 the show's in London, but it's open to everyone. And what you've just described is exactly what we're trying to seek. Too many people for the last few years have focused upon uh, an energy-efficient data centre by arguing about the efficiency of the parasitic load that's necessary to make the data centre run. We've got to go beyond that. We've got to look at the actual energy consumed by the IT equipment and see how we recover that and use that. We are limited if we don't do that. So exactly what you've described, waste heat is being used for pellet drying, which becomes a commodity. What you have in data centers is a challenge of how you take this energy that's uh, thrown away, and it's only waste if you throw it away, and transfer it to somewhere else. Now, what you've described is turning into pellets, is a phase change. You are changing a product's phase or state that it can then be put in a van and taken somewhere. The other way you do phase change is you try and get it into the water systems and not the air systems. And water is also a commodity you can export from the data center to the local community. So these heating schemes are going to take off. We have got to start using our heat, not waste. It's just not used yet. And we've got to see where we can take that. So there are uh, awards for efficiency and environmental product of the year and improving through resilience and innovation. And we're hoping to see, and the Green Data Center of the Year, we're hoping to see in that how people are thinking beyond just PUE efficiencies, but into actual recovery of energy. We've got to reuse it all. 
Mike, uh, thanks a lot. Um, as well, there's a category education. I'm on the panel, I'm on the board. Uh, thanks for inviting me here. And I would like to add uh, what I would like to see. Um, and I hope that we will uh, get um, some uh, interesting ideas. Something we as well try to work on and that might be, Corona might be a big driver. You know, um, we are talking about uh, uh, digital education, uh, video conferences, uh, training over the internet for decades. And uh, now we have the tools. Uh, usually we have the bandwidth most of the times, but as well, uh, there are tons of possibilities, something like uh, virtual reality, um, augmented reality, uh, that I think can make training very, very, um, yeah, interesting and almost, um, yeah, at least for some parts of our industry, um, can can save the big demands of travel and do it person on person. That is very costly. And as we discussed in the very beginning, you know, if we have a standard that's well accepted, as you were talked in the very beginning of the tier classification, let's think about the tier classification. You know, we're talking about the big projects, 100 megawatts up international, there's the tier classification. We have new standards coming up, but if this standard, for example, would come up, um, that's my idea, a little bit of philosophy, come up with the classification of the of the uh, of the stuff needed in the different segments you know of course it will take some time then it's going to be a great opportunity combined with the technology available i'm not talking about a two one two three year project but uh, this is what i would like to see and if uh, there are some of the elements um, then uh, i think uh, we will have uh, and see from the, the guys applying here uh, that could be a very very interesting and uh, i'm i'm looking very forward to to be on the panel and uh, review all these applications here um i'm so thomas are you going to be looking just for companies how they're developing their people or are you going to look also for um, other educational um providers um like i don't know like yourself who do the certification and as well teach about different um standards like your iso and your favorite iso i always forget what it is one eight no oh, i can even try sorry but uh now we look at that as well but uh, i was just like of an idea as i said it's not it's not uh, that we reinvent the wheel completely it's uh, a few uh, let's go for some in innovation and, and say the carbon neutral data center when i was here in the morning and watched I uh, heard the news about a company who basically um, built a data center here in the north northern part of Germany where we have a lot of uh, wind and they uh, uh, basically built a perfect carbon neutral data center and uh, the, the, some kinds of these little innovations here. And I, that's, I think, what we are looking here on the panel and uh, do it step by step in order to make it uh, more green as uh, we are one of the yeah like the data centers are the number one in uh, doing the carbon um, out outpost here okay that sounds brilliant um so um mike um how how does it work so is there any deadlines for till what time people have to apply um where can they apply um um, what else? How are they going to be judged? How is the ceremony going to happen? Are you going to get like a crown at the end? Is there going to be a big like music, a big band? Um, and of course, for the for the Germans, there's going to be a little disco with a little disco ball and some Elvis guys going to come out with an Elvis costume. Or um, so, how is the whole award ceremony going to happen? Well, you you had it spot on up until you got to the Elvis bit. Um, the they, you can apply through the Data Center World uh, website. There's a there's a tag on there that you go to awards and you've got all the download information of how, what you need to do and how you apply. It's not overcomplicated. The, the 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 method of measuring it or judging it is declared. It, it can be a comparison to another product or it, it needs to show a journey of how you got to the point. Um, the eight awards are there. They're very... I think they're very different to the other, everyone else's award. Most people say best data center or best data center in North Europe, best data center in South Europe, and it's a bit nebulous. We're actually trying to get 
some particular things that people want to celebrate. Um, the awards will be open up until about the end of October, middle of November. Uh, come the end of November, they'll need to close. So there's a, a discussion going on on the close date. The evaluation will go on over November and January in readiness for the March awards ceremony. Uh, there will be a showcase arena uh, and there'll be a, 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 a handing out of the winners and certificates at the, at the show. It's going to be all at the show on the first day. So no disco ball. Um, because I spoke also with the, well, the Germans, you know, we always like to have a little disco somewhere around the world. <laughs> Thomas, I'll bring a disco ball for you then to the London event. Um, but um, anyways, uh, what I want, because I had a little discussion as well with um, Rabinda, who's the event director for the, for the London uh, DCW. And she told me as well, I believe that there's not going to be a six-gen data center. However, um, if you're in the top two finalists for each category, you will get the chance to showcase your products um, during the awards, which means you will still get that well face-to-face -face interaction with people, which we're all missing quite a lot because, yeah, well, we have a pandemic going on at the moment. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, huh? Exactly that point. There will be a showcase arena where the particular product will be performing, not necessarily with uh, in a in a whole uh, example of a data center, but it will perform, and it can really bring out all the best features in the showcase arena. And that'll yeah. be that'll be in all the presses and all the advertising. And, yeah. I mean, I think it's a great thing to do because um, it's it's something that's lacking in the industry. Um, I think the industry is developing really fast. It's developing, I think, faster than people can keep up with it. And there's a lot of innovation which is happening where we just don't seem to be able to get the chance to even see, wow, these people created this product which changed this and these things. And that's why I think awards are very important. And that's why also from our end, um, I'm sure the guys will agree with me, a big shout out to everyone. Uh, try to get involved here if you have... Uh, an amazing product which you guys developed, um, even a great story. Um, go go on the homepage, apply for the awards, and then hopefully we see you there next year. And um, Mike will give you the crown. Well, um, well, then I have to bring my own Elvis costume, I guess. <laughs> I, I think I, I think Tim Tim wanted to ask a couple of things as well. Yeah. Yes, more or less. Um, to, towards the end of it, I mean, the awards sound brilliant. I know there are a couple in, in, in Germany, um, but uh, since I live in London, I have the impression that the Brits love, they just love awards. And um, uh, sometimes it seems a bit a bit, a bit much to me. Uh, I know the Germans are more reserved on that uh, whole awards thing, but this one seems a, a, a one that is particularly interesting um, in, 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 in what it aims to achieve and in what it aims to bring on the stage. And I can only just uh, repeat what Paul and Mike said on to, to all German data center innovators, go to London, you won't be disappointed. Uh, maybe as a final outlook, um, I don't know if we are already kind of towards wrapping it up, maybe as a final outlook, uh, Germany and UK comparison. Um, is it is it uh, does it make sense to compare the German and UK market because we sometimes hear that the UK market is so so advanced uh, so uh, and that that kind of naturally implies as well that the German market would be behind so my first question would be is that something you agree uh, to and and the second question uh, how how would the German market then be able to uh, keep up is the German market behind the English market? Um, not particularly. Uh, as you look at global providers, the information share goes all around the world. Where you do have to consider is we get influenced by the American market who have a perception of what is best for America. It's not necessary what's best for the UK. When I've worked in Norway with hydroelectricity available and 100% carbon-free power, the solutions that might be appropriate in Midwest America are not going to be appropriate in Scandinavia. So you have to adapt it to the environment and the culture. 
you then got to look at your resources and people and, and what they're individually familiar with as to how you operate a data center. So the best in Germany is not necessarily the worst in England. It, it's, it doesn't work like that. So, um, and, and I'm not in any way trying to put it down. It, it's just what's best in Germany and it's, it's great. So you look at your efficiencies and you look at your emissions and you look at your standards and, and it works and it delivers and it performs. So, so great. If we're all seeking to be more carbon free and carbon neutral, we will have to move to water-based heat rejection as opposed to air-based heat rejection. If we are moving to that kind of environment, you're probably looking to hot aisles and hot aisle containment with a water jacket server as opposed to a cold aisle and a cold server. So you capture the heat rather than you try and cool it. And with that changing culture, you've got the ability to export the energy as a commodity through water. So there'll be a bit of a development and culture change possibly in Germany. But no, I mean, you know, you've got international operators in all sorts of places. I don't see the German market as behind it. I don't think it's as large, but I don't see it as behind. We, we, we buy our kit from the same suppliers. You go to Siemens and Schneider and ABB. We buy our kit. It's how we wish to tune it and operate it and our model of resilience. And that model of resilience will change the efficiency. Oh, Mike, of course, uh, I, I have to uh, give a comment on that one here. <laughs> right here from Frankfurt, uh, the headquarter. We had a great series here um, with the guys from DKIX, the biggest uh, backbone in, in the industry. And I think actually, I would say we are, you're still a little bigger than we are, but it's not about size. And I completely agree. You cannot compare Apple to peas if you talk about PoE and the things. Everyone has these different requirements and restrictions. And Germans, uh, in, in, in the points of data, uh, as you know, are very, very strict. Um, we are sometimes, you pick it up from the US very fast. It takes us another five years, but now we finally got it. And in this case, what I see, um, um, we do our trainings here at a big co-location provider. I don't want to make any uh, advertisement. That's why I'm not mentioning names. But I picked up some equipment due to the, uh, you do their usually uh, on-hand training. Uh, we picked up some equipment there yesterday. And they just uh, built two big data centers um, in the last five months. And these are about 20 megawatts. And uh, I haven't been there for five months due to the lockdown. I had to do that. Uh, we, we did the online training. Uh, but there's such a dynamic here in, in this market as well. And I think uh, there's, um, it's too bad that we don't have to show uh, with uh, Paul and the awards here in November in Frankfurt. But uh, there's innovation going on. We have a lot of lot. I've been in the industry for 13 years, but I've seen a lot, lot of really young and innovative companies coming out, out of the German market that are on the edge uh, to, yeah, to, to um, basically mature. And uh, uh, as soon as they have uh, one of the big projects um, they are working on, I think, uh, yeah, uh, we, it's going to be very interesting and uh, it's going to be a nice and big challenge for all of us. So there's a lot of movement and, um, Hopefully, I will I will make advertisement as well so that we will get applications here from the German market, from these innovative guys. And then uh, we both of us can discuss about uh, what we think about it and basically award them, hopefully. Tim. Yeah, uh, thanks for the comment. Uh, I, 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 I just, um, I hope you understand that I was uh, seeking to, um, uh, not, not, not see. Or I wasn't seeking to kind of imply that Germany was behind. It's just that 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 would some that would come to one's mind, uh, perhaps, when uh, hearing the phrase that the UK is um, very fast at once. But then um, another thing which uh, came to my mind while we, you were speaking was, um, well, in terms of outlooks in in Germany and continental Europe, especially in terms of uh, privacy that you've mentioned, Tom. Uh, do you think that the latest developments, uh, especially the court ruling from the Euro European uh, court, 
in terms of privacy shield could have an impact on the data center market, Mike. Do you think that uh, it is true when people say, oh, now we need to build our data centers in continental Europe rather than uh, store and, and send data, personal data of, of people to the US? And do you think that this could somehow have an impact? I think it already has. I, I think the the demand for having local data centers already starting to feed through. So there are more there are more data centers being built. I believe closer still are doing a show in Spain, which is recognizing the development in Spain is has now taken responsibility for its data. Uh, everyone will have to have data centers. So Portugal, um, I think where you are in the world and the volume of of information you're handling will, will influence your solution. Uh, some will be containerized and manufactured and bolted together. Some will be infrastructural and they have to be built and, uh, and unoperated. But everyone will have to have more data centers. Yeah, there, there, there's a demand. And as you say, that privacy law has already kicked in. Already. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, do you kind of get to. Um notice this at Dunwoody in terms of uh, orders or, or um, demand for your services? Uh, we're seeing a reasonable amount of demand from a UK-based client and ones that are looking at Europe. Mm -hmm. We are seeing a demand as an English-speaking consultancy for American investment in Europe as the bridge. UK has often played the role of uh, the bridge between America and, and Europe because we're closer and more able to travel and communicate. Um, that that demand comes not so much from the privacy issue, more from the financial issue, but there's a recognition you can't keep investing in America if you want to do work in Europe. So right. You have to do more. right. Uh, one last question before I hand over to Paul. Um, Another issue that I think would would be interesting in um, to to talk about very quickly um, the, the 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 space in uh, Germany Central Europe is limited, uh, which is which is the opposite in 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 the Nordic countries where there are vast amounts of space, cheap, green and clean energy. Um, as a data center designer. How would you how would you basically deal with the rise of demand in 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 a in a in a in a, in a space where or in in a, in a in continental Europe or in Central Europe where space is limited, and um, at the same time you have you have a, a rising demand, so more space needed basically. How do you deal with this imbalance? I don't know enough places and spaces to make a, a, a total commitment there. But the, the space is not just space. It's space with adjacent power sources and it's space with adjacent data connections. It, you could put in the data connections easier than you can put in big power infrastructures. How do you solve it? Um, you solve it. If you look at some projects, they've looked at going in the ground to create space with semi-parcels above. In part, that's a resilience and a risk issue rather than a space issue. But people become creative. Um, data centers are increasing their density. So what's happening is in what was a thousand meter hall, you had a certain capacity with data computer server capacity increasing. It will now do four or five times. So the net watts per square meter goes up. You get more out of the space. I don't think the size of the box will be the challenge. I, I, I think it's the components within the box and the density of the box that will, will solve that answer. You, you will go from the old one kilowatt per square meter to 20, 30, 40 kilowatts per square meter. It will solve the space. And of course, I have to ask the question of the questions, Mike. I'm sorry, but is Brexit going to affect the data center market in the UK? I don't believe so. Um, the it'll affect. I think it affects some of the transactions and the and the money and the market and whether London's as dominant and Frankfurt steps up. Um, I think it'll affect 
other transactions, but you, you're still going to be doing communications and transactions, and you're still going to want something that joins the cable that comes from America to the world, either through UK or Scotland or Scandinavia. They're still going to do communications. Um, information and data is just going to carry on. I can't see it stopping. Whether the volume out of the city goes on, depends how the city relationship with Frankfurt and, and Paris will come together. But you still have data centers, they're still, and they'll still be UK-based. But it's like, by having UK having four more doesn't mean Frankfurt doesn't need seven more, or Paris needs six more. We just need more. Yeah, because like we said with the cost, the example I used earlier, which is just there's always going to be more and more and more data. And um, there's a new term which we, well, we just came across it last week, which is called the fifth screen. So that the human is now being introduced to the fifth screen. The first one was the television. The second one was your computer. The third one was your mobile phone. The fourth one was the tablet. And now the fifth one is your car. So this is the fifth screen phenomenon, which we can at the moment watch going around the world, that people are being introduced to another screen, which is going to stimulate basically the mind all day long. But yeah, so more data centers, more data. Perfect. Okay, Mike. Um, so I think we're coming to our end. Um, so we're going to do it the traditional way. We're going to go around in a circuit and then we leave the last word to the guest. So, um, Tom, any last words from your side? From lovely Frankfurt? Sure. Uh, thanks a lot, Mike. But it uh, was great seeing you again, at least uh, in this video conference and our podcast after we met in London. I'm looking very forward to the uh, applications we will see on the award. And I'm looking forward to the, the show. And all the best. Thank you for this great uh, podcast. Um, Tim, do you want to add something as well? Uh... Yes, basically, uh, thanks for taking the time to speak to us, to be in this uh, question or crossfire of questions. Um, you are uh, more knowledgeable than uh, the three of us. Well, I can't speak for Tom, but uh, for Paul and, my, and me. We're happy to have you on the awards panel. We're happy to have you as a friend. And uh, I hope we can repeat this experience in perhaps some weeks or months time to see how far we've all come with the interesting de developments we've, uh, we've talked about. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, then I'm going to give it to Mike and then I will do the last bit. Mike, anything you want to say for everybody? No, thank you all. I, I, I enjoy information sharing, which is what Data Center is all about. And, and I think it, the awards ceremony with that information sharing and that learning experience is something I'm really looking forward to because we're always learning and we're always making it better. And, and we must continue to try and make it better. So I'm, I'm happy, happy to be part of the awards program and be part of the group that put it forward. And I'm happy to be on the podcast, sharing information and learning at the same time. I mean, it has for us, the last four months has been a learning curve as well. So thank you very much, Mike. Um, stay positive, but test negative. Yeah, um, that's how we say it in Germany. Um, hashtag stay negative. So thank you very much and hope to see you soon again. Hey Tim. Oh, this uh, okay. This was something. Um, I like how we changed the slogan now to positive mind but negative test. So hashtag stay negative. Hashtag uptime punks. Hashtag we conquer the world. Um, but yeah, it was quite interesting. I think Mike had some really valid points, and I think with the awards, it's a great initiative to get the smaller companies as well, the innovative companies, the people that really try to make a difference in this world to get a voice and to be heard. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the hyperscalers and um, and so it's it's okay. It's, it's good that they get so much attention because they're driving many things that also are important. But this should be really about the small innovators. You said it exactly right. And um, 
my personal takeaways would be that uh, we we actually don't listen enough sometimes to to what's going on um, even 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 as as, as as a medium we sometimes don't listen enough to what's going on next to the big streams next to the the big boom um, that's happening and so for the show and also for the podcast and for every other uh, group who does content out there I can only recommend you to yeah just listen a little bit more yeah I mean there's some really great innovations out there um, even for anybody out there that has a great innovation please feel free to reach out to us um, some great projects some great podcasts coming up in the coming weeks if you want to find out more um, as well, you can subscribe to our newsletter, which is English speaking, which is on www.techkarate.com. Um, gives you all the updates in terms of digital transformation, data centers, and clouds, what's going on out there um, by our chief editor, Mr. James Omri. Um, and yeah, that sums it up pretty much. So if you guys want to get in touch with us, please feel free to do so. And we hope that you're going to subscribe and tune in. And anything else to add, Tim? No, I think Tim is very happy. And we wish you guys all a beautiful day and stay safe and stay negative. Stay Take care. negative. Bye. Bye.